Hello and good day. This is Dr. Rob Streisfeld. Doc Rob, your concierge to better living here at CannabisRadio.com, all over the airwaves, your digital downloads. You know, it's just another great podcast to tune into and check out. And uh, as always, I'm excited because we're going to talk some more about cannabis, cannabinoids, dive into some science and technology, stuff that I love to do. As most of you know, I've been lecturing around the country for many years, uh, last several years around cannabis. And a lot of people giving me funny looks when I kept saying, uh, titling my talks Beyond CBD, you know, that they're like so infatuated with this one cannabinoid that when I started to talk about others, they were like, what's going on here? Now, there's good things to say. We are all learning more about the minor cannabinoids and we need to promote them more often and figure out how to use them most efficiently. It's definitely as cannabinoid therapeutics become more involved. So it's great today to have my guest. We're going to talk about this, Shane Johnson uh, from InMed Pharmaceuticals. Thank you, Shane, for joining us. And, uh, Great for having you on the on the podcast today. Pleasure to be here, Rob. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And you know, when we talk about this, you know, there's so many cool aspects of this plan. I've had podcasts talking about industrial uses of hemp and you know different things going back many years. This podcast is almost seven years old, so you can imagine how many times we've mentioned CBD. But I've also been one to really advocate for the whole plant and recognizing that there's many more compounds uh, found in this plant that have value. So can you give us a little bit of, a, of, a, of an overview of InMed Pharmaceuticals and then we'll dive into some more depth? Sure. Um, well, InMed Pharmaceuticals has historically been focused on the uh, development of uh, research and development of rare cannabinoids for pharmaceutical purposes. Um, they have uh, one compound. It's actually a, a, um, a formulation based on CBN in phase two clinical trials for epidermolysis bullosa, a very rare uh, genetic disorder that uh, causes severe blistering, et cetera, of the skin, um, pretty disastrous disease for those who have it. Um, and they also are looking at a formulation uh, of, of a rare cannabinoid in in the preclinical phases for the treatment of glaucoma. Um, so that's kind of in med. And, the, and then there's a, a lot of other R&D that's been done kind of filling that pipeline. Um, I'll mention, you know, my back, I came to InMed uh, you know, last fall when InMed acquired the company that, uh, that I helped co-found Bay Medica. And right. so, um, I think it's important to kind of understand we have, we have kind of two arms of InMed in a sense, but we got together because there were so many synergies. And so, um, Bay Medica on the, as, as is relevant to the pharmaceutical side of things, in addition to a focus on rare cannabinoids, um, we also have both intellectual property and, and a library of novel analogs of those cannabinoids. So minor tweaks or variations of cannabinoids that you would find in the plant uh, that may have beneficial properties in terms of their physiological impact on, on, on disease potentially or, or safety profiles, et cetera. So that's kind of an area that we collaborated on at first. It became clear that we, you know, there, there were enough synergies that that we should look at something beyond just a a, a contract relationship and so um, move forward and, and InMed ended up acquiring Bay Medica. The other aspect that Bay Medica focuses on is manufacturing technologies of rare cannabinoids and actually the commercialization of some of these rare cannabinoids for the health and wellness sector. So that's uh, I, I feel like I could I could probably spend all of the podcast just talking about 
all of the activities of in med and Bay but that's a good but... thing but that, that's again you guys are busy and i like that that's why i wanted to have you on because a first go back to bay medica and this manufacturing and synthesizing of these minor cannabinoids it's something that you know this industry has so many different bifurcates where you know there's different areas to focus i remember starting in the very early days of hemp extract and cbd and going into a direct-to-consumer marketing kind of a platform at the same time investors were talking about analog development, pharmaceutical development, and drugs. And even now and where I'm at now, I have this conversation with some of my colleagues because when you look at this plant, you have this spectrum of whole plant, unadulterated usage, and then you have isolating various compounds. And even further that, taking those compounds and tweaking them, like you said, slightly to make different compounds that have other effects. And I think this people have to understand – you know, there's a huge wide spectrum there, as well as the audience of who we're reaching. Where I come in, and this is what I said even on a call yesterday, was there's also the spectrum of using the plant to prevent disease, promote well-being, optimize health and physiology, and the spectrum continues to where we're treating rare conditions like the ones you mentioned with specific compounds and drug development. And I've always been, you know, we all lean individually, perhaps, or maybe you know, are, are attracted to one side of that spectrum versus others, but I don't ever diminish or, you know, dismiss the need to recognize the whole spectrum, which is something that I think is important. Yeah. I mean, I think it all has a place. And I think, yes. you, you know, in, in addition to those that you mentioned, there's also taking very specific compounds and combining them in very specific, precise ratios. Right. Uh, you know, you know, I think a lot of the limitations around the pharmaceutical development side of things, and, and there's a limitation and an advantage, right, is, is, is a, historically the FDA has been focused on single active pharmaceutical ingredients. Um, it's much easier to understand mechanisms of action that way or try to understand mechanisms of action. I'll note that CBD in the form of Epidiolex is probably one of the most poorly understood drugs to be approved by the FDA in, in at least a couple of decades. But, um, you know, with that said, you know, I think I think partly because of the regulatory implications and what you're trying to do, it's, it's simple and it's simpler to create batch to batch consistency if you only have one compound in it. If you've got a uh, something derived from a plant and it's got five, 600 different compounds in it, like the cannabis plant um, in varying ratios all the time. And you can take the exact same strain, grow it in two different places. And over a few generations, you actually have two very different chemotypes at the end of the day, or, you know, phenotypic yeah. expressions of, 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 of the, the genetic profile, it, it, it gets super complicated, but also super fascinating. Of course. And I mean, from a you know, medical perspective or a disease treatment, you want it to be consistent, whereas you don't mind a slight variation when you're growing it in the farm or the greenhouse and, it, you know, na nature does its thing, a little more light, a little less you know, light. This all has a factor, but when you want to do drug development, uh, definitely has to be consistent. I remember working with CBD, I don't know, maybe six, eight years ago, we were trying to work with formulations and identify the value in dogs. And they said, well, the first thing you have to do is run studies on isolate. And, and, and because we have to figure out a baseline on the single compound, and then we can compare those values to complex blends or full spectrum oils or whatever it might be. But you have to start with that single denominator, that single you know, in, individual compound. And, and again, there's some of you know, us on the purist, natural, holistic side that say, that's not really the way we want to do it. But that's part of the science conversation. I think it's a necessary step to understand yeah. all things on their own and as part of 
a group. So I think, again, I'm one of the guys that sits on the fence and really loves both sides of the conversation. Well, I, I think we have a similar frame of mind there. I mean, I think we both share medical backgrounds, obviously. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a family where my father was a Western trained physician, but he practiced almost exclusively acupuncture, homeopathy, and, cranial, and, and Chinese herbal medicine. So, um, you know, you, you kind of look at it from that perspective. I kind of grew up with a lot of exposure to, uh, you know, a adaptogenic herbs and all of that type of stuff. And at the same time, you know, myself went through Western medical training where it's all about those single drugs that are going to do everything. And, and, um, you know, I think there's a lot of, a, a lot of value and a lot to be said for both approaches. And it, and it really comes down to, you know, in, in this case in particular, I think when you look at something that has been ultimately so understudied for so many years, how do we, how do we catch up? You know, how do we, how do well, we, even how, that, yeah, I mean, the mechanisms of action you mentioned earlier, I would have to say most of the studies, especially around THC over the last 70 years or so, were to find the harm it would do. Never really the benefit it could cause or could you know, affect, but always the negative impact of it on the body. And so now we're opening up more and more research and starting to identify, okay, wait, there's a little side effect or negative here, but what drug or thing doesn't have it? But let's look at the positives and the benefits and, and the effects of it. And that's where cannabinoid therapeutics is really super exciting. And I know I've been saying this for years and years that it is the future of healthcare when we fully understand, you know, these compounds and how to integrate them, not eliminate all other drugs or replace it. It's integrated into our medical systems appropriately. And I think that's going to be the future you know, challenge, but also exciting opportunity. Uh, absolutely. And you'll never actually find all those positive potential outcomes if you don't actually measure them as potential endpoints. Yeah. So. And that's that's the science part. So again, you, the science guy of me goes, yeah, I get the scientific method, the, the need to do research. We have done our own research studies and we plan on doing a lot more in our in our own entities. And I think that's, I've always represented dietary supplements or vitamins, and I only would represent those that had the clinical studies, the scientific validation, the benefits laid out. Otherwise, why do that? Why, you know, it's a guesswork or, it's, you know, it's just like taking anything that you just pick off the ground. So, but, um, well, and, I think, and, yeah. and if I'm, if I can interject, I mean, I think one of the things with this plant that I find unique I mean, with so many different compounds, uh, you know, people always talk about the, the entourage effect. I, I personally prefer the term ensemble, but, but, you know, if you use the, you know, it, it, people talk about the entourage effect and, and these cannabinoids where everything's, everything in the plant is working synergistically together for this great outcome. Well, What's the outcome that you're that that somebody is desiring? Um, right. You know, if you if you actually you know are a fan of delta nine THC and you want to get high, you right. may not want to have you know have something that has a ton of CBD in it as well, because we, we know that that, you know, there's data that, that actually is very, you know, strongly supports that CBD tends to counteract the intoxicating effect of THC. So, you know, and, and that, that can be used. Probably- and that can be used in, intentionally as well. You know, that's the Abs- cool thing about it. Absolutely. But, you know, my point is that that if you have something that is so complex with 500 plus compounds in it, depending on what you want, you, you, you actually probably really only want a subset of those compounds. Yeah. Um, you know, so which which ones and then and, and what ratio and that and that's kind of what, you know, where where I get excited is is the ability, you know, thinking through the, the, the potential to combine different compounds in very precise ratios to um, 
really affect outcomes or, or patient, you know, or, or, or consumer experiences uh, that are, 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 are consistent for that individual um, and, and can be consistent over time as well, regardless of where they are and, you know, where somebody is in the world or what state they live in or what have you. And that's really the key here from a medical standpoint. That's awesome. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to keep this conversation going with Shane Johnson from Bay Medica in Med Pharmaceuticals uh, after this quick messaging from our sponsors. Don't go anywhere. This is Doc Rob, your concierge to better living here at CannabisRadio.com. The concierge for better living will continue in a moment. And we are back. We're having another great conversation today with Shane Johnson from Bay Medica in Med Pharmaceuticals, talking about the minor cannabinoids and some of the benefits of cannabinoid therapeutics. And before the break, you had mentioned the personal effect, you know, what people are looking for, how they feel. Some people like to get high. Some people don't want that feeling. Some people are looking for pain relief. And if you give them a product and they don't feel pain relief in 10 minutes, they don't think that product works, even if it works in a different way and maybe takes a little longer to affect. So these are all things that we consider when we're working with ingredient development, uh, formulation development. I, you know, this is something where, you know, I, I do a lot of education for uh, bud tenders and, and, and workers in medical dispensaries. And I say, you have to realize that person walking in the door may want, may have insomnia and may want something to help them with sleep. At the same time, the next person says, I am exhausted all the time. I don't want to be lethargic. I need something that, you know, I can function on and be more active. And so how do we, you know, that flower versus that flower, how would that, you know, how do we know how that's going to affect that individual? And this is just, again, we're still in the infancy stage of this. There's genetic considerations or dietary considerations on your, how much fats are in your diets. And of course, the form and function of the cannabinoids and how we're ingesting them. So let's jump back to Bay Medica. You said you're synthesizing, manufacturing some of these rarer minor cannabinoids. Can you give a little bit without maybe giving away IP, the, the process that that we are that you're using to get some of these minor cannabinoids in levels that may or may not be regularly found in the plant. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it maybe as a, as a part of that kind of um, maybe helpful to to note the backgrounds of my co-founders uh, at, at Bay Medica. Both are PhD organic chemists who have been around uh, for many decades in the biotechnology in, industry. They actually met each other at Chiron, the pioneering Bay Area biotech company back in the late 1980s. Uh, one of them is a very gifted synthetic chemist, and the other um, is a, a true pioneer in the realm of synthetic biology. Uh, uh, so he was primary editor of the first book ever on yeast engineering, uh, commercial yeast engineering. He was one of the people behind Novulin, uh, Novaris' insulin that is made in yeast, um, et cetera. And so we really have a pretty agnostic view. I mean, we our, our, our kind of framework is a compound is a compound. And if we're making the same compound that the plant makes, it doesn't, you know, at the end of the day, it, 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 it really doesn't matter. what. And, and so we make things via... Uh, biosynthesis. We make things via chemical synthesis. We make things via hybrid approaches and also point out that the plant does the same thing, you know, or the plant interacting, interacting with its environment does the same thing. Um, to my knowledge, there isn't a synthase or an enzyme in the plant that makes CBN. CBN is a degradation product or a compound that ultimately, uh, you know, that comes from THC. So it's when, you know, heat and, 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 right. you, you know, UV, light and things like that hit hit the 
the plant or hit the trichomes, the, over time you get CBN out of it. So that's a chemical reaction taking place. And so again, we're very agnostic as to the approach. Um, you know, our lead compound that we commercialized a couple of years ago, cannabichromine or CBC, we've made via hybrid approaches via pure biosynthesis and via chemical synthesis. And what you find is that different methodologies may be preferred for a given compound uh, or cannabinoid, depending on the, the quantity you want to make, uh, you know, how, how quickly you want to make it, you, you know, do you have a consistent pull through of demand? I mean, you know, so, you know, biosynthesis is really best suited for true large scale manufacturing where you're, 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 you know, running a seed train and you're, and you're doing a, a campaign where you're making something consistently, you know, month over month. And, and we're talking on the order of hundreds of kilos every month. Right. Um, for most of these rare cannabinoids, you don't need that much. Um, you know, and, and so again, we're, we're pretty agnostic as to approach. It's about the compound uh, very much like you know, I mean, I would say aspirin, we're all pretty familiar with it, but we don't chop down a bunch of willow trees anymore and, and, and peel off the bark. You know, we, right. we, we, we synthesize it. Um, of course. Vitamin D, same thing. Yeah. And that's what there, there's a science there. I mean, I've worked in supplements and we have yeast grown uh, vitamins and probiotics, you know, a new chapter was a leader in that, you know, uh, entity for many, many years. Um, Others use fermentation processes, and I love it. I mean, I love that there's so many different ways and mechanisms to make it happen. You know, then it comes to the doctor part of me of do no harm. And so it's like, okay, well, now we talk about, you know, should we be making these compounds available in such quantities or, or, or dosing you know, for the human body to respond? I'll bring that back to a Delta-8 conversation because Delta-8 is one of those things where now it's a tricky gray area. Um, it is naturally derived from the plant, but not in any significant numbers or value, you know, uh, quantity. So for some states, that's a no, no, like, you know, it's not a, it's not legal Delta and other states say, sure. Now, for example, the state of Florida says, uh, synthesized uh, cannabinoids are not allowed. However, Delta eight is legal. So there's, there's a misjoint there, I guess, because I would say that there's no way that there's a, the amount of Delta eight being sold in the products in Florida right now is coming from naturally grown plants. It's definitely synthesized in some form or fashion. So this is the debate we have with purists and technology, you know, innovation and so forth. I'm not saying right or wrong, but because people love Delta 8 in some form. And then there's others that have concerns about solvents or synthetic prop, you know, processes that could cause harm or effects to the physiology that we are not aware of. So this is a challenge, I think, that all of a space, but how do you guys you know, address that? Well, look, I think, I think what you're calling out is very accurate. I mean, people talk about, oh, this is hemp derived, del you know, uh, Delta eight. Well, it is. If you don't, if you, if you kind of don't mind the fact that it comes from CBD from the hemp plant, that somebody is then doing a chemical conversion uh, to make into Delta eight THC right. um, that, conversion, depending on how you do it. Yes, you could end up with uh, side reactions. You can end up with, um, you know, rem remnant solvents that aren't too good for you, et cetera, et cetera. You know, but the same, same thing goes for the plant, right? If you aren't careful and I'm sure they were the pesticides that the neighbor sprayed on the farm rather than the ones that you put on your plant or the, uh, you know, mercury that was in, you know, you know, that got absorbed from the soil. I mean, you've, you have, you have other concerns, I think, with, with, with things coming from the plant. 
And, and, you know, so at the end of the day, though, when you talk about it's not naturally derived, there's concerns about, you know, solvents or something, something else that could be dangerous. To me, that's all about process and quality control. We don't worry about that. Again, go back to the example of aspirin or, or, the, or, 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 or the vitamin D that's in my daughter's organic milk. Right. You know, that uh, that is, we don't worry about that and where it comes from, because we've 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 come to accept that there are ways to make these compounds that are safe. And and and, and I think the big issue in this industry is lack of unified oversight. Um, to me, that's the bigger issue here is you've got a bunch of fly by night. Uh, you know, companies that are making these compounds and some are doing, and, and, and then others that are really trying to be pioneers and do this properly. But as a consumer, how are you supposed to know that? You know, right. that's really tough. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things we are trying to do from our perspective is, you know, and it really fits under the InMed umbrella, but was part of our DNA to begin with at Bay Medica as well is, we're taking kind of, you know, we have a, we have a strong biotech background and medical background and these types of things. So it's, it's really about the science doing it right. If we make a compound, if we make CBC and it's 96 or 97% pure, well, what is in the other two or 3%? And I can tell you exactly what's in the other two or 3%, right? What the, the primary other component is CBT, which happens to be a natural degradation product of CBC to begin with. We've done the work to identify all of that. We've done the work to make sure that there are no, um, you know, residual solvents and things like that that are at level are at levels that are concerning. So I think it's really more about quality control systems um, and, and industry oversight versus what today is, is kind of an unregulated mess. And it varies state by state. And, and regulators, by the way, the legislators who put in these different laws typically aren't scientists. They have a lobbyist come into them who says, <laughs> not at all. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, they, the lobbyist like, oh, no, we need to do this for this reason. And we, and, and they have no clue. Yeah. So I don't believe me. I know even the researchers, I have to say, met several other researchers in the space aren't even cannabis enthusiasts. They don't even care what they're studying. It's a widget to them. It's a, it's a substance. They're analyzing it for whatever values it has, and then they move on. They don't really have that connection to the bigger play of the industry or the impact of cannabinoid therapeutics. I've seen that firsthand in major PhD researchers for cannabinoid science, and that's okay. That's, they're doing their job, their expertise. And I think when you, you hit the nail on the head there with the quality assurance, the quality control, I say that with dietary supplement companies you know, all the time, call them up, ask for COAs. My first question is always, do you have an adverse effects log? Because if you don't have an adverse effects log, you're not doing something right from the get-go. So um, these are a lot of things that, even in psychedelic conversations right now, which is obviously you know stirring up even more so, they talk about legalization, decriminalization of all, all drugs. And so they're like, so I have people coming, oh, does that mean you can walk up anywhere and get drugs? I'm like, no, that will hopefully put together a quality assurance that whatever's being made available at least has been processed or put through a system of checks and balances to make sure it's at least safe and clean and quality versus the black market or street market or however you want to call it. I think that quality is really going to be the difference. And regulation, whether it be state regulations or federal regulations, while a lot of people are anti-oversight in, in that for our human safety, for what we consume in and on our body and our pets and animals and our environment, that's somewhat necessary, I think. And so um, it's great to hear you guys have such a stern approach to that, that scientific, you know, and, you know, detail to your processes. And it's necessary for any company, especially drug development to pass the FDA, you know, and drug, you know, criteria is it's, it's definitely required. So I'm glad you shared that about your DNA to both Baymedica as well as InMed. 
Um, we're going to take one more quick break. Uh, our last moment of uh, sponsorship. Come back to wrap up this great podcast um, today with Shane Johnson from Baymedica and InMed Pharmaceuticals, or formerly Baymedica, now InMed Pharmaceuticals. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back at this brief message. This is Doc Rob, your concierge of better living here at CannabisRadio.com. The concierge for better living will continue in a moment. All right, all right, all right. We are wrapping up today's show. A great one in that with InMed Pharmaceuticals representative Shane Johnson. We're going to talk about we've been talking about the minors, and I, again, I, I think it's so over un, you know, overlooked and underappreciated, but it's coming out now. You know, everyone got so you know enamored by THC. That was the the you know the, the main. Then we got CBD come up, and everyone got so excited. I was the one pumping the brakes, going, "There's a lot more here. There's a lot more here. Slow down. Don't." You know, and uh, now we're starting to see that even in formulation. So when we took it, go back. I know you're in the pharmaceutical side, but it's interesting when we go back to even the thousands and thousands of CBD products on the market, labeling themselves as full spectrum. The idea here is that they have all of the compounds available in the plant, all over 500 of them. And then you look at it going, you have CBD and what else you know like, and it's like there's not a real representation of all these minor cannabinoids at least at any significant value or level but yet we're still calling it full spectrum and i think that's really where for me as a product guy as an educator i want to see more of those minors prevalent and you know is that something that you guys look at not only in the drug development but supplying some of this uh isolated compounds to uh nutraceutical development as well or dietary supplements yeah, absolutely. Look, that's one of the things I saw in the in the plant as well, and, and kind of speaks a bit to my heritage. I saw that, you know, all of this, you know, I mean, look, CBD was going to literally cure everything if you believed the the the, the folks, you know, who started all the, the thousands of CBD companies. And and I think CBD does a lot, don't get me yeah. wrong. Um, but yes, as to all these, these you know, minor, or I, I prefer the term rare cannabinoids, because I think minor implies of lesser value. And, and gotcha. at the end of the day, they're they're rare and some of them are going to be rare and very precious, I think, to, to our experience in terms of human health and wellness. So, um, you know, I, 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 I kind of like to keep that in mind, but I like that. the, the, uh, you know, look, when you, if you've got at this point, I think there are over 140, perhaps hundred over 150 even um, cannabinoids. So that's not even talking about the flavonoids and the terpenes and all these other components of the plant, but there are, there are 140, 150 cannabinoids in the plant. THC and CBD are only two of them, and and THC and um, isomers of, of THC are, are, are you know are, are represent a subset overall that is intoxic that are intoxicating. So the I think the majority of the compounds in the plant are non intoxicating, right. and some of them are going to be fascinating in terms of what they do, and that's I think what we're starting to see. And and you mentioned all these you know rare cannabinoids. It's like well the labs don't even test for them. There aren't even analytical standards. So how are we supposed to know and understand? I think that to begin to create that understanding, you've got to make them in more pure forms um, as, as singular compounds. And then you can you try to understand what they do. And then again, you can begin to reconstruct. It may be that the best possible thing for pain from the cannabis plant is a combination of six cannabinoids, you know, but yeah. which six? 
right. you know, and something else could be counter something else in there could again be counteracting the effects of some of these that are that are that are important. Um, and 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 there is truth to these cannabinoids working together. We've seen that. There's data that that supports that uh, preclinical data um, that supports that very explicitly. Uh, so you know, anyhow. So, no, no, it's great. It's a lot to discover still. And that's what that's why I wanted to have you guys on is just to say, look, you know, well, there's a lot we know about the plant, a lot of people utilizing the plant. There's so much more we have to learn, both in its whole plant status form, how we grow it, how we're optimizing it for use, both in medical, uh, uh, industrial, commercial, whatever, but also in the scientific realm of pharmaceutical development, drug development, and, and potential cannabinoid therapeutics going forward. It's it's very exciting, and, and, and leaders like you guys in that space doing that uh, clinical, preclinical work, you know, looking at, you know, different solutions, you know, this is something that is, is really exciting, and I appreciate you coming on today and sharing that information, and I'm sure we'll have you guys back on, you know, within a year, two years, we're not, we're not going anywhere, and neither are you guys, so there'll be a lot more of these revelations and opportunities to discuss the innovation within cannabinoid therapeutics, so it's really cool, and again, I appreciate you coming on today, sharing some insight about InMed and Bay Medica and your background as well. Absolutely. No, it's a pleasure to be here. And look, I mean, we could probably, I can come back on you know, every couple of weeks for the, oh, I'm sure. stuff we're talking about. So, um, but no, it's, it is interesting and I'm excited to see where this goes in terms of these rare, rare cannabinoids. I mean, I, I think um, we're just scratching the surface. You know, we've, we've got, you know, ourselves a couple in market. We're launching another couple here in the next, uh, you know, this quarter actually. And so, you know, just looking to the future, I, I, I really, I, and I think there's a growing interest on the part of some of these, um, manufacturers in the health and wellness sector, nutraceutical type companies in figuring out how do we differentiate our product? Okay, wait, we really do want something that, uh, you know, maybe has a differential impact on, on people's ability to have a good night's sleep. What should we be putting in there? Right. <laughs> you know, I'm starting I saw, to ask these questions. Yeah, I saw you had a little you know, work through on uh, THCV coming through. There's a lot of talk about that in weight management and weight loss. So there's a That's lot of exciting one. Yeah. It's very exciting area. I'm a big CBN fan in general, if we can utilize it or find its best utilization. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of a lot of stuff to dive into this plant. And again, you know, hats off to you guys for making it happen. And a good relationship between May Medica and InMed seemed to make a lot of sense strategically. I know you're part of that move. So, you know, kudos to that one. And we'll definitely stay in touch because I think there's a lot more breakthroughs you guys are going to be presenting or insight that this plant can offer. So again, thank you so much. Thanks for everyone at Cannabis Radio for making this happen. Uh, Believe me, all our listeners will have the post to InMed Pharmaceuticals and all the other links if you want to tune in or check out their stock or look, look, look more about their research. Whatever your interests are, make sure to check them out. Thank you again for everyone who does check out our podcast, listens it, shares it, downloads it, and does all that fun stuff that you do with podcasts. And as always, I wish everyone all the best in health and happiness. Take care and be well. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. 
Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.